My name is Jamie Lilly, and I am one of the pastors on our adult ministry team here. And some of the things that I get to do uh, are baptism. So you might've seen me a couple of weeks ago um, doing that, uh, not actually baptizing. I wanted to do so bad, but I was just too pregnant. Um, baptisms, uh, groups, and uh, Alpha, which is something that uh, we are all about here. And the next round will start up in the fall. So um, be sure to look out for the registration and information about that. Um, we, oh, and I'm also 34 weeks pregnant because I know that you were all like, just tell us, I'll, you know. Um, I've reached the phase where uh, people are like, oh, you're pregnant. And I'm like, I am not. You are not supposed to ask people if they're pregnant or not. Um, yeah, as of Thursday, my appointment on Thursday, I shouldn't be going into labor today, but just in case, are there any labor delivery doctors in the room? Nope, cool, nobody, great. Uh, CPR trained, any moms? Anybody has had a baby? Great, cool, good. You're gonna be my people in this. So, uh, no, but we should be totally fine. Um, as, uh, as you're getting comfortable in the message, uh, grab your Bible if you brought one, or open your phone to your Bible app, um, or grab one of the Bibles in the pew backs in front of you. And we are going to turn to Matthew 16. If you grab one of the pew Bibles, there's two versions. It's around page 686. So there's my clue for you today. Um, we are in a series called A People Of, where we are looking at the different values of the kingdom of heaven. It centers on a framework that Pastor Alex gave us in the first week, um, which is this, that if we are followers of Jesus, then we are citizens of his kingdom. And if we are citizens of his kingdom, then we live distinctly from citizens of other kingdoms. So the goal is to not just define these characteristics, but to go beyond and talk about what it actually means to live as people of fill in the blank with one of these characteristics. Um, this week, we are talking about the characteristic freedom. And I wanna acknowledge that this could be a difficult or awkward conversation, um, given some of the things that have happened in the past week in our country. I don't usually um, give a super clear outline of messages at the beginning, um, but based on this last week, I think it kind of makes sense. So um, we are going to talk about confession today, and we're going to talk about death, and we're going to talk about hope in an abundant life that Jesus promises us. Every time I sat down to write this message, I asked that the Lord would speak to me and give me clarity on what we as a church needed to hear, what you as somebody who this is your first time checking us out, what you would need to hear too. And so I believe that there is one, at least one little piece of nugget, nugget of life and hope um, that each of us can take away from this today. We believe that God speaks in God's perfect timing Meaning that if weeks ago, this was the message that the Lord said was to happen this weekend, then it must be true for our circumstances that we find ourselves in today. And so we actually believe that this is exactly the message that we need to hear today. So stick with me. We're in this together. And like I said, we are going to talk about the abundant life and fulfilled life that Jesus promises to his kingdom. 
Through Jesus, we see God's full revelation of who humanity is. And through that, a model of how to live in kingdom community together. Not as the world describes it and not as religion or religious law describes it, but as the king describes of his kingdom and his people. So let's take a little personal inventory of where you're at today. How do you view humanity? It's likely that you'll probably view humanity in one of two ways, is that humanity is either good or bad, and I know that's really elementary, but you get the gist. Is humanity inherently good or inherently evil? And we find these two versions um, in two different passages in Genesis. So Genesis 1, where humanity is created as image bearers of God and blessed. And in Genesis 3, where humanity is sinful and afraid, hiding, and that blessing has been removed. Okay, so hold that thought. Imagine what freedom feels like. Imagine that you are free. What does it look like? Who are you? How are you living? What do you have? Are the good things that we think of the same when God talks about blessing. The world teaches us that if you have this nagging sense inside of you um, that you aren't being who you were made to be, that you're not fulfilling your full potential, uh, being true to yourself, that there's some sort of limiting factor that's outside of yourself. And our answer to that is do whatever you wanna do. The more that you're allowed to be who you want to be or just be true to yourself, then our culture says that that's when you'll finally have those feelings of satisfaction. Our culture says that being blessed, and actually a lot of Christians too, is measured by good things that your life reflects. We are all trying to get somewhere and we all have this ideal that, ideal that we're striving towards, that I've arrived moment. And I get it. I check Zillow for the big expensive homes all the time. I look for the perfect ones with the perfect hosting abilities and amenities to it where with my lottery winnings that I can have people over to this safe space where they can just be and belong. I get it. I dream like this and I often see freedom in this way. That the more I have, the more free I am. And that's what we see happening a lot now in American society, that regardless of what stance it is that you take on mandates or war, restrictions, recommendations, you name it. The intensity of the fight for individual rights is just a reflection of how much we believe that unchecked personal freedom is the answer to freedom in our lives. If you don't have what you think that you are deserved or that you are owed, it is somebody else's problem because you, you're good. On the other hand, we have religion and religious law. And religion says that if you don't feel like you're living up to your full potential, that you aren't being all that, you are, that God created you to be, um, that it's because you're bad. 
that your life um, actually reflects the consequences of you messing up. And this alludes to wrongness. Like how many times have you seen people, followers of Jesus or not, over the past couple of years, and maybe even longer than that, pick a side, point fingers at the other side that they're wrong, and you know what else? It's not just that their actions or their behaviors or their beliefs are wrong, but it's actually that they, in their being, are wrong. The answer in religion is stop it. Just stop doing those bad things. And our response, okay, well, I'm just gonna pull myself up then. I'm gonna try harder. But does that actually get you anywhere? In some cases, churches have actually watered themselves down to uh, become a faith-based model of this, the cultural model, that it looks like religion, but it's rooted in the cultural model of the freedom message. But there is a third option, the kingdom option, The message of Jesus is that we need freedom that transcends both the cultural and the religious narratives. In this case, the answer is the gospel. And our response, it's truly a response. Not an obligation to some external pressure, but something that comes from within us. As a characteristic of God, freedom actually has to do with God's kindness. God's kindness is confrontational. It says in Romans 2, 4, that God's kindness leads us to repentance. God chose and chooses to be for us by creating a way for us to be free. The gospel is our response to that offer. When the world says that you're good and religion says that you're bad, the gospel says and shows you that you are loved. And you might say, well, how does love transform in a way that's different? How does love bring freedom? And doesn't the gospel tell me that there are things broken in me? Well, the gospel is a massive move of God toward us and it shows us that while we're in our brokenness and our mess, God loves us. God's embrace of us in this state is what builds a trust in a relationship with him and that is the foundation for the process of you becoming all that you were made to be, which requires action from us. Earlier, I asked you to open to Matthew 16. Uh, We're looking at verses 24 and 25. So Matthew 16, 24 and 25, Jesus gives his disciples a riddle. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, and whoever wants to lose their life for me will find it. When Jesus gives this call to his disciples, he's saying that in his kingdom, the less you have, the more you give up, the more you confess and die to, the more you'll gain. That is how you'll find freedom. And this extends across time to us as well, which means that there's good news and there's bad news. So would you like the good news first or would you like the bad news first? 
I know everybody always wants the bad news first. The bad news is that we have to recognize our fragility and our brokenness. The good news is that there is hope in this attainable person that you were made to be. So there's a gap in that space. And I assume that over the past couple of years, you've adopted some ways of being and thinking and acting that are burdening you. And don't worry, I'm not gonna actually ask you to raise your hand on this one, but how many of you feel like over the past couple of years, you have been walking in the dark or running into a wall and getting nowhere in your life? I know that I have felt unequipped for so many of the tasks ahead of me. And in many ways, I've often resorted to some unhealthy and very immature responses. And I think it's safe to assume that you probably have too. But rather than puffing up our chests and uh, putting up a wall or uh, allowing our pride to seep in, uh, we need more moments of honesty and vulnerability. Confession is the way to come face to face with our weakness and our captivity. In celebration of discipline, Richard Foster says this, the discipline of confession brings an end to pretense. God is calling into being a church that can openly confess its frail humanity and know the forgiving and empowering graces of Christ. Honesty leads to confession and confession leads to change. God is calling into being a church that can openly confess its frail humanity and know the forgiving and empowering graces of Christ. Confession is, in a way, a death to death because God's life and blessing comes to us when we die in Christ. As the church, we are collectively called to address our weakness and our brokenness in this way. In the garden, so in Genesis, in the Genesis um, chapters, the setting is the Garden of Eden. In the garden, death replaced the abiding life and the presence of the Spirit of God. In the moment that humanity responded in fear and hiding from God, a type of death to ourselves, or perhaps in a more regular term, confession, is the daily, regular, and hopefully uh, attainable and little, um, death that actually brings life. Often there has to be a death or an end to something in order for there to be a beginning and a birth of another thing. It's just that when we're in the death, we don't actually know when the life will come. We just hold on to this hope that it will actually happen, which means that freedom is actually found in death. We have an after-school program here. Um, it's at Barnes After School, so Barnes Elementary is just across the street. And um, Katie, who runs the program, emailed our staff and was like, hey, I need some extra help. We're doing this project, um, and we need some grown-ups to be present because it's gonna be, like, it's a little wood woodworking project. And I was like, oh, that looks like so much fun. And, like, you make a little candy dispenser, and I was like, I'll get to hang out with some kids. And uh, so I said yes. So I went over to help, and the first hour was with the third through the fifth graders, and that was the loudest thing that I have ever been a part of in my entire life. 
round metal tables and every single one of them has a hammer and is just and I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I couldn't hear myself talk. And I'm like, are you okay in there? Everything's fine, right? Like you're gonna, you're and it was so fun, it was so fun. Then we, after that, we move over to the kindergartners through the second graders who are like, and you're like, you're doing so great. You're, yes, you're building this. And so I'm sitting there with these little girls and um, they were actually doing a phenomenal job and I was having a blast. And then I'm talking to the one that's on my right and I noticed that she has this little like gold thing in her mouth. And I was like, uh-oh. And I, I said, oh, uh, hey, do you have something in your mouth? And I'm like trying to play it so cool, like I'm a cool mom vibe. And I'm like, do you? And she was like, no. I'm like, okay, I literally just saw it. Like, what's going on? And so I said, um, I said, well, is it like some jewelry or a bead? And I literally said to her, I'm cool. I'm not going to get mad at you. I just need to know what it is. And I swear in that moment, she either actually did or at least pretended to swallow whatever it was in her mouth. So uh, whoever, uh, the mom and dad of her, I am so sorry. And I really tried to avoid that. Um, but all of that to say, I realized in this moment, in this first grade girl, that the fear of confession is actually something that's built into our brokenness. She had no reason to be afraid of what, what was going to come out of that. But that moment of like, ooh, I think I'm in the wrong, made her swallow whatever it was. Nikki Gumbel, the creator of Alpha, says that guilt is feeling bad about what you have done. And shame is feeling bad about who you are. Jesus has set you free from both guilt and shame. God has made a way through Christ for you to get from where you are to where you are meant to be. And it's messy and it might not look exactly like anything that you've known before. And it requires our participation. Our salvation doesn't require anything of us. You are already loved and forgiven exactly who you are and where you're at today. But our transformation into these characteristics that we're talking about in this series, it does. We have to be active participants in this process, which can be really uncomfortable. I was given a great analogy this past week of how we deal with the brokenness in our lives, um, specifically in a conversation around anxiety. So um, imagine, you know those drink dispensers that usually come out in the summer um, that have a little spigot on the bottom. Um, and I don't know, you put them on your porch, you have them at a party or something like that. So imagine that you are this drink dispenser and all of the liquid that's on the inside is the things that um, are your brokenness, the things that burden you, the things that stress you out, the things that are the focus of your mind. And... All the while, the lid is off, and more bad news just keeps getting poured in. Anxiety is like taking the lid off and splashing out off of the top, best you can, enough, just enough, so that it doesn't pour over or you have an anxiety attack. Make sense? Well, we, you all and me, 
are still getting to know each other. Uh, and something that you should know about me is that I am a very honest person. Um, you can trust that I will be honest with you. Um, maybe too much sometimes. Uh, but I am not very vulnerable. Uh, vulnerability actually makes me very uncomfortable. Uh, I'm comfortable standing up here talking to all of you, hundreds more online, the people who will watch over the next couple of weeks. I feel comfortable doing that. I could uh, talk about all of these surface things. I could give you really good analogies like I just did <laughs> without having to actually truly open up. Uh, and I'm sure that a lot of us feel more comfortable coming into a space like this and sharing just enough to get by, but not actually go much deeper than that, uh, to actually talk about deep problems that we face. So I figured I would go first. I have been uh, going to the doctor's office every two weeks throughout my pregnancy. We're coming towards the end, so it's every week now. Um, because uh, I have an autoimmune disorder, and so I have a high-risk pregnancy. And so we've had to go in and get checked um, to make sure that he's okay and I'm okay and keep being checked. Well, a few weeks ago, my doctor gave me this standard behavioral um, questionnaire, behavioral health questionnaire in regards to depression and anxiety. And after looking at it, the doctor was like, wow, you scored pretty high. But I knew this already. Hello, we know what's going on inside of us very well, don't we? And so he connected me to some counselors and when I talked with them, they were like, our wait list is like six to eight weeks out, which I am not surprised about either because people now more than ever are seeking therapy and counseling. And then at a follow-up appointment a few weeks after that one, uh, my, one of my other doctors, knowing that I um, hadn't yet been seen by any counselors, um, she suggested medication. And I'm not really a fan of taking medication. I don't really think that there's anything wrong with it. Um, I just haven't ever been somebody to take like ibuprofen or Tylenol. I just, I don't, I just haven't been. Uh, the story that I tell myself is that I'm strong enough and that I can handle it on my own. That my body, my mind, should be able to do X, Y, Z. But I had to admit to my doctor in this moment two things. The first was that the thought of unearthing all of the things that I had packed down was daunting and I didn't know if I really had the capacity to do that in this season. And the second thing is that after unearthing all of that, I don't know if I had the capacity to actually give each one of those things what they truly needed for healing. I have spent so much time trying to scoop off the top to avoid spilling over that the deeper things have kind of started to sludge up. And I know that's such a gross word, but I think you know what I'm talking about. It gets too heavy and too impossible to tackle. I had to admit that what I believe my mind should be able to do, I can't really right now. And I tell you this because I felt so much freedom in those few moments after telling her that I needed help. 
I told her how I feel so inadequate, not being able to show up in the same ways that I've used to be able to. And after confessing my weakness, I felt freer. Do you have those moments that you can recall where you experienced an overflow of relief, that lift of the burden off of your shoulders? Do you ha- can you think of those moments? I felt like I could almost cry and no obvious problem had been solved. That happened before any sort of restorative work had happened in my life. That sense of freedom came from my honesty, my vulnerability, and my confession, which is like opening the spigot at the bottom and letting out what's been held in exactly in the way that the container was designed. Freedom doesn't just come from the act of confession, though. It's certainly the first step to experiencing it. Freedom is something that we experience in the response to our confessions. We talk a lot about external freedom, and there is this freedom in Christ that can't be taken away. It is internal. It has to do with our being. When we say that the gospel shows us that we are loved, What we mean is that God sees us as both versions of ourselves. The Genesis 1 version, made in the image of God, blessed, really good, and the Genesis 3 version, ashamed, prone to choose the things that bring death and broken. The grace offered to us now is forgiveness offered in the midst of our brokenness. It is extended to us in our Genesis 3 selves before we have gone through any sort of restorative work. God's response to our confession is forgiveness and grace. Because God knows that when we experience acceptance as we are, that builds trust. And trust grows, when, when trust grows, we can be confident that the plan that God has for us is good, just as you were designed. You can be confident that the person that God made you to be and wants to restore you to is good, bears good fruit, and bears with one another. What does it mean to deal with other image bearers? Acceptance and transformation. In Galatians 6-2, Paul says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Being a part of the kingdom of heaven means that you found freedom from fill in the blank and freedom to belong. The kingdom of heaven should be a community of non-judgmental people who are safe to take your confessions to. We have got to be people who stop judging others, but rather speak words of life and healing to one another, who hold each other accountable to the convictions that the Lord has given them, and come alongside one another as we get there. You have to use what you have to help others. To be people of freedom with kingdom framework, we have to be accepting of one another exactly where we're at and be excited to journey with one another 
becoming all that we were made to be. Church, it is okay to not be okay. It's not okay to stay that way. That is not who we were designed to be. We were made to bear fruit and to come into the fullness of life that Jesus promised. We were made to have a garden teeming with life full of abundant fruit. If you're not fruitful, you won't feel fulfilled. Galatians 5, 22 and 25 through 25 says, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified with the flesh and its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Fruit is a sign of freedom and they are reconciling modes of making the world right. This is future focused thinking and you can't focus on your future while you're looking at the past. Freedom is not going to do you any good in the past. Stop looking back at how things were, comparing with what's ahead, better yet, comparing with how things are now. This is it, you're here now. And you're invited to be beyond this present moment not just personally, but communally. Where are we going? As people of the kingdom, where are we headed? Are we people of freedom? True freedom. Before we can be reconcilers, we have to be reconciled. Before we can be part of the renewal of all things and making the world a better place, whole and healed, we have to have that inside of ourselves. A change of heart is going to change the world more than a restriction or an allowance of a behavior. Are we people who die to ourselves? We'd like to actually give everyone, all of us, the opportunity today uh, to search your heart, to allow Christ to search your heart, for you to be vulnerable about what sin and sludge you've been holding on to. So the band is gonna come back out um, and play a song while you sit in this space. And there's gonna be a prayer prompt up on the screen for you to follow. It's a really simple prayer of confession. Three parts, I'm sorry, Thank you, please. The first part, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I have done wrong in the past. And have this be your moment of, uh, of vulnerability of actually being specific. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 gives us a list of what those could be. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. The second part of the prayer is thank you. Thank you for dying for me, for your love and forgiveness. And the third part is please. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit. So feel free to pray this on your own, or if you feel so bold, 
uh, grab the person next to you that you came with and take it as a moment to actually confess with one another. And if you uh, choose to do that and you're receiving the prayer from somebody, you just get to sit in a place of affirmation that yes, God sees you, yes, God loves you, yes, God forgives you. And so do that with one another, do it with yourself. Um, and then when the song is over, I will come back up and do the, benedic the benediction. Courage to you all in this moment. Every day, not just every once in a while. 
And I really hope that you took a bold step toward Jesus today. And if it was your first time, then find somebody with a lanyard. There'll be some people up here in the front. Um, or if you had some things that kind of unearthed in you and you just wanna talk with somebody about it, do. Find a buddy, trust one another, sit in those spaces together, bear each other's burdens. Will you stand with me? Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ, Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And Galatians 5, 1 says that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So may you be people who are vulnerable, who daily die to yourself, who carry each other's burdens, and who live a full and abundant life because you accepted freedom from your brokenness and freedom to be all who you were meant to be in the kingdom of heaven. Go in peace today.